970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Welcome back, everyone. We're um, back, please- and as I promised you, uh, we are going to be joined by Mary Galvin uh, from Caston's Trust and Estates Groups. And Stephen, I will turn it away to you to talk about with, with um, Mary Trust, Estates, and Wealth Transfers, and everything people should know about transferring real estate and wills and trusts. Thanks, Dottie. Mari, um, welcome. Glad you could join us today. Uh, thanks for having me. And, you know, there's so much going on and so many rule changes. I know there's a lot of discussion on tax law changes, um, and it's really something that is so important, and there's such a great intersection between estate planning and administration and real estate. Uh, and there's a number of topics that we want to cover today. But before we do that, if you just want to tell the, our listeners a little bit about yourself, please. Sure. So um, I sometimes call myself the accidental lawyer because I was actually a private banker for about 10 years and a certified financial planner. And I got uh, went to law school just out of interest in uh, developing a t- more of a teeny background and was hired by my Wells professor and have been a teeny attorney ever since. So I'm I'm the accidental attorney, but um I love what I do, and and then this is a great topic, Steve, because there are a lot of changes coming up. And for most people, real estate is one of their largest assets, and because it's illiquid, it's a tricky asset to deal with um, during your during your lifetime if you're making uh, transfers by gift or at death if if you're transferring the uh, the home or you're selling the home. And we can talk about those things. Great. You know, there, there's so many things to cover. So I, I would say let's start from the beginning and then we can work forward in time. And I guess by beginning, I'd mean, you know, just a buyer coming along, looking to buy and just some of the considerations that they should have in thinking about because they have a lot of information. Should they buy in their name? They should buy in a trust. What does that do for them? And then also just to throw a little bit even more on your plate. Um, if you can address what happens when you have people buying with maybe friends or someone that they're in a relationship with, but they're not married, and some of these considerations that they should face um, and think about. Um, great question. And um, there's, there's a lot we can, we can talk about. So I'm just going to uh, jump on some of the, the highlights. When when you're buying real property with another person, um, it, it how you title the property will determine how it is uh, distributed when you die. If it's in a, your individual name or tenants in common, it's going to go through your will. If it's joint with right of survivorship, it's going to pass to the surviving joint tenant. And you mentioned some people buy real estate with um, someone other than their spouse or um uh, they may have a partner they're not married to, or they have a spouse with children from different marriages. So 
um, how the asset is going to be disposed of really needs to be thought through. Um, I can go back to some of those specifics, but um, Steve, I know your where time is a little bit limited. Sure. If you want to point out maybe a couple of the top considerations that they should have in mind before jumping in, and maybe if you have, uh, you know, either an example or, or some mistakes to help avoid or mistakes that you've seen that with a little bit of planning um, could have really saved people um, from a real mess on their hands. Well, probably the, the between a husband and wife, I, I don't have um, uh, a problem with owning the property in joint with writer survivorship. But upon the second death, that's where you're going to run into issues in terms of liquidity if you haven't prepared for the estate tax. Um, holding if you're let's set aside the married couple if um you're you're buying property with another individual that's when you probably do want to set up or, or purchase either in an llc or a trust arrangement where that document will help um, define how the asset will be distributed um, the most common thing that i see today is a situation where it's a second marriage and you want to make sure that the children from each marriage are going to ultimately receive one half of the inheritance. Um, the, the union is an economic union between two people. They share the home. And it, like I said, it's a very large asset. Um, typically, you're, you don't want to displace the surviving spouse. You want the surviving spouse to be able to continue living in the home. Um, but upon the surviving spouse's death, that's when the trouble comes in, because if it was joint with writer survivorship, it all goes to the, whoever is the survivor, then that person can leave the assets, uh, the, if it's sold, the net proceeds, all to his or her own children, and the children of the, the, the first spouse that died can be completely cut out. And, and oftentimes that's an unintentional result. And that's why you want to come in and speak with the planner to make sure you kind of, you go through the whole um, process of, of ensuring that your wishes will be carried out. And again, uh, trusts are a great way to, to manage that. LLCs are another way, but I, I typically find that the LLCs, this typical uh, operating agreement, and they, there's not a lot of attention to the transfer section of the operating agreement. You want to make sure you just don't accept boilerplate um, provisions um, when they're not, uh, they're not going to carry out your wishes. Go ahead, Dottie. I just want to ask a question because we've had Paula's Paula, and you touched on such an important point. There's so many second and third marriages, and we've had kids call in where, you know, they got married again, or they remarried, and maybe somebody used all their money, or um, and they didn't provide, okay, for you know a certain amount to go to each person's children. So if you put all your money together. Um, and you buy it as a married couple, even if you put the money in, if you don't, if you die first, it would all go to somebody else's kids and your kids might not get anything. And that's happened. So many people have told us about that. So that is just so important. And yeah, thank and, 
Yeah, and like I said, sometimes it's it's an unintentional result just because there wasn't any planning. And what happens, you know, I've had um, it resolved two different ways, amicably and not so amicably. I've had one estate where it the all the assets, the net proceeds from the sale of the house, um, went through the second uh, spouse's. Uh, estate and all to his children and the kids decided you know this wasn't right this house was bought together by um, my stepmom and my father and they uh, we put in place a gifting strategy because remember once the property legally goes to let's say one side of the family they can't just give it to the other side without concerns about is uh, gift tax consequences. So we put in place a, a gifting strategy, which ultimately equalized um, the, the division and the kids did it themselves. And that's a very uh, happy result, but, uh, but more times than not, I see it's almost like winning the lottery, you know, it, mom or dad is no longer around to explain what their intentions are so the assumption is well you know we're just going to live with the way that the chips fell and it leaves one side of the family completely out of the financial benefit of that marital home you know Mari it's it's a great point and one of the things that I tell my clients when I speak with them is estate planning is really about life planning you know, people think of, oh, I don't want to really address estate planning considerations. It's a little too difficult to process, and I'll get to it at some point in time. But it's really very, very helpful, and, and you've illustrated with a wonderful example of really planning things in an orderly way, even just for future events in life. Um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit because another thing has come up, and we've had a lot of new laws, and I know we have a lot of laws under consideration but one thing that just came up in the last 30 days in New York State is we have a new law regarding powers of attorney. And I know there's some confusion by people with that. And also, if they have a power of attorney that was duly executed, notarized before that date, if you can give a little more details about the new power of attorney, some consideration with the gifting strategy, and what about folks who have an old power of attorney and, and how that would work for them? Yeah, great question. I'm glad you brought this up because because people are a bit confused about whether or not they need a new uh, power of attorney. And I'll tell you what I'm recommending to my clients. But just by way of background, there was a short form New York statutory durable power of attorney. And the term durable means that if the principal, the person who's executing the power of attorney becomes incapacitated or disabled, their agent can act on their behalf. Um, the, and that's important because as you know, hopefully everyone has a nice long life, but typically at some point in time, someone may need to come in and manage their financial affairs. And that's what happened to Brooke Astor. Um, so we had a very simple New York statutory power of attorney and there was abuses with that um, uh, power of attorney that resulted in a very complicated uh, statutory short form and a separate statutory uh, gift writer. So you had two separate forms and both of those forms generally needed for estate planning purposes when someone becomes incapacitated. 
Um, the statutory gift rider is executed like a will with witnesses and it is, um, and because it, it is a lot of power that you're turning over to your agent, they basically step in your shoes as owner of your, can step in your shoes as owner of the asset. So now that's a little historical background. What happened was um, maybe the legislators went a little too far and it became difficult to use some of those powers of attorney. So the new statutory power, durable power of attorney is a little simplified and it also put in mechanisms to ensure that it can be used. One of those um, mechanisms is that the a new statutory power of attorney has to substantially conform to the statute. Under the old uh, form, it had to conform exactly with the statutes and financial institutions could reject those forms when in a draftsman or maybe someone just downloaded the form and they, and they made changes um, because you perhaps if you didn't need certain sections, you just deleted it. Well, now uh, under the old statute, that form would be invalid because it didn't exactly match the statute. So the new uh, power of attorney is, has a little more give to it in terms of its validity. It's also one form. Um, there isn't a separate gift writer. Uh, it does need to be signed by two witnesses and a notary, but the notary can be a witness. And then the uh, using the form, there is a process by which the bank has a certain amount of time or any financial institution to accept the power of attorney. If they don't accept it and reject it, notify the agent, they, the agent then has a certain amount of time to make an appeal. Um, and Mari, if I can interrupt for just one second for our yeah. listeners, I believe you stressed the two most important things. Number one, with the new form, you can be close, but not be perfect on the form, and the form is not automatically discarded. And secondly, is institutional use. Uh, you know, my experience, and I'm sure you've had it so many times, people are really a little bit lost and bumping their heads against the wall because they thought they had a power of return that would work. And then some institutions said, well, we have our own form. And you need to have our form too. But I went to my attorney or I got the right form and I did it years ago. And now, you know, my spouse is in a hospital bed and they can't come into a bank branch and do your form. Although Ace, I'm not picking on banks on purpose. Uh, you're an easy target sometimes. Uh, the, uh, you know, it, it's it's very tough on the, on the average consumer. So I think this is a critical change, but if you, but one warning to also to, to our listeners out there, if the institution says we have issues with the form, you still have to respond to them. You can't just not respond because eventually, and within short order, and generally speaking, I believe it's seven days to then respond, then um, you will eventually lose your opportunity to contest. You'd have to resubmit again. So it's really important to keep that in mind. That's right. And so, so the bottom line is, do I, in terms of the question, do I need to execute a new form if my old form is still valid? And uh, valid powers of attorney that were executed prior to July under the new form are still valid, but I am recommending that you use the new form because there's that added flexibility. And I think as banks are 
and other financial institutions are receiving the new form, they're going to be more comfortable accepting that form and you're going to be better served. And going back to uh, the the purpose is it's used when someone is incapacitated and you can execute a new one. So it's important that you have one that is going to work when you need it. But Steve, you're right. A lot of institutions say, you know, you, I, I'd prefer if you use our form. And I do tell my clients, if you've been banking with a, a certain institution for a long time, you don't plan on moving their assets, why fight City Hall? Use their form. Uh, but ha have the statutory form as a backup to the extent you need it. But there's no, but I, I, I do tell my clients to use the, the bank or financial institutions form as well. There's nothing wrong with having both. Great. And I want to switch to another part that comes up often in my practice when unfortunately somebody has passed on and we're dealing with an estate sale. And I want our, our listeners to also know, even though it's called the durable power of attorney, um, unfortunately, when the giver of the power passes on, um, remember the person signing would act as their agent, that power of attorney is no longer going to have any value. So um, we're now dealing with a different body of law and a different approach. So when there is now an estate sale, what are some of the things that people need to keep in mind? Um, and, and how can they prepare and put themselves in the best position? Because this is obviously a difficult time for people. And then all of a sudden, they're now selling one of the most important assets of the estate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it, it is a difficult time and there's a lot to do. I always start out telling my clients that it's a marathon, not a sprint, because there's a lot of pieces that need to be pulled together when someone passes away. Um, the estate tax return is due nine months after date of death. And, and I bring up the estate tax return right away because a person buying the property will want to know that there are no liens against the real property that have to be satisfied. The estate tax is an automatic lien. It does not have to be recorded. So if you did a title search and there's no, you say, well, there's no tax lien against the property, that does not include state taxes. The state taxes are automatic. So the buyer, the buyer is going to want to ensure that you satisfy the estate tax liability. And you do that by getting a release of lien. Um, and the you, you're going to need to get both a, a New York release of lien as well as a discharge from federal uh, tax. Both for both applications for release of lien recommend that you make the application 45 days before closing. Included in the application is a proposed closing statement as well as the contract. So understand that, you know, real estate right now is going very quickly. So if you're thinking you want to have a 30-day close, you may want to think again and Keep in mind, it may take 45 days to get your release delayed. Mara, we're coming up to a commercial break, but if you can hang on so we can finish up this topic, more to come with Ion Real Estate. Well, 
Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. My friends over at Route 22 Toyota want me to remind you that if you're tired of dealing with dummies, get over to the state-of-the-art service facility in Hillside, New Jersey, please. Alex Kinsella has the entire team staying safe, wearing masks, socially distancing, fogging vehicles with every single service to make sure they're disinfected. At Route 22 Toyota, they always get it right. They're doing their part to stay safe. Plus, right now, Route 22 Toyota is offering qualified buyers more reasons than ever to get into a new Toyota, like 0% APR financing up to five years and zero down leases on some of your favorite Toyota models. Call 855-621-9949 for details and make sure to tell them Joe sent you. 855-621-9949 to schedule a test drive and Route 22 Toyota will get you driving a new Toyota with 0% interest or zero down leases. Now that is the smart way to buy. Route 22 Toyota, Route 22 West in Hillside, New Jersey or at Route 22 Toyota. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. I'm turning it over to Steve to continue our talk with Mariana State. Great, thanks. Thank you, Dottie. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, again, we're joined by Mari Galvin, uh, Head of Estate Planning and Administration at Casson & Casson. Um, lucky to be working with her on a regular basis. And, um, you know, and she's been a tremendous help to any real estate transaction and that involves either an estate administration issue or an estate planning um, and a terrific resource for clients that are just trying to navigate the intersection of what um, ownership and estate considerations that they should have 
when owning primary residence, second homes, or investment properties. Uh, before the break, Mari was discussing some of the things that one needs to have in order um, when selling a real estate that's subject to an estate. Uh, please continue, Mari. So when we left off at the break, what I was talking about is getting that uh, release a lien so that the property can be transferred with a clean title. And just understand that the applications uh, suggest that you have you submitted 45 days before closing. And this is a quick moving market. So I know a lot of people are looking for a fast close, but in an estate, you want to give it some time. The other thing I want to talk about is that um, now that the exemption amount was doubled um, back in 2017 uh, from its, uh, uh, and, and the exemption is the amount that you can pass free of estate taxes. It moved from $5 million, it doubled, so it's and it is currently at $11.7 million. Getting the lease a lien hasn't been a concern. You just, it takes time to get the piece of paper. But what, it, what we may be looking at in the future is more states subject to a state tax because under the Biden proposals, uh, that exemption amount may be drastically reduced. Um, the, what is being proposed it, it is an estate tax exemption of $3.5 million, a gift tax exemption of $1 million. And, and so instead of just thinking, I need to get this piece of paper that releases the lien, now a lot more folks out there are gonna say, I've got an estate tax liability that needs to be paid. You wanna think in advance how that's gonna be paid because your estate is illiquid and it's often a large part of people's uh, overall financial wealth. So there's got to be a lot more planning early on, more so than just the, oh, I need 45 days to close to, to get a release of lien. You may need to think about how am I going to pay the estate tax? Now, Mari, that's, that's a great and unfortunately sad situation. I unfortunately worked on a number of transactions where they didn't fully plan appropriately. And, you know, they unfortunately we're in a situation where they needed to liquidate the real estate to pay the estate tax bill um not to fully put you on the spot but i'll try a little bit um what are we talking about here if somebody's late on paying this estate tax bill um can you get any flexibility from new york state or the or the irs um what kind of penalties are we talking about here so similar to an income tax liability, uh, it, the return is due nine months out of, after date of death, and you can get an extension on filing a return. But the tax liability is actually due and payable on the date it's due and payable. For an estate, it's nine months after date of death. Uh, so you can get an extension, but from that date, nine months after date of death, you're going to start accruing interest. You're not going to have penalties if you get an extension because the government has said, we understand you can't, you, you, can't, you don't have all the information to file the return or you don't have the money right now. But that interest rate is very high. And the last I looked, I believe is around 11 or 17% interest rate. So there are a couple solutions to that. If there are other assets, you may be able to um, uh, use those assets to, to either take out a loan 
it's difficult to get a mortgage on a property that's in an estate. I had it and we shopped around and um, very few banks were providing mortgages uh, on an estate. You don't have the same kind of interest rate. There are uh, loans called Gregan loans. A Gregan loan allows you to lock in an interest rate um, over a period of time and still deduct the uh, interest payments on either the estate or income tax return. But again, there's not a lot of institutions that do that. So you really need to plan ahead for this liquidity issue if it comes about. And, and I don't want to pick on, uh, you know, the proposed legislation because I want people to understand that even if nothing happens in terms of changing the exemption amount in reconciliation, which is um, what most people are talking about, which will happen this October, nothing changes in the estate tax exemption, the doubling of the exemption amount, uh, which was effective in 2017, will expire at the end of 2025. So some planners are thinking that, well, because the exemption is going to go down to half the amount by the end of 2025, do you really want to use your political capital to, to enact legislation that will drop it sooner, to, I guess two years sooner, from its present 11.7 down to $3.5 million. You're going to be at a $5 million rate at the end of 2025 under the present law. So people should start thinking about their overall financial picture, how liquid it is, what is the potential estate tax, and how that's going to be paid. You know, Mark, one other question on that, which I think has been confusing but, for, for a lot of people that I know, is that over the years, there's been this concept of the state's being connected, being coupled to the federal law and then decoupling. Um, and I know that's happened, yes, and over the years. Very, very quickly, because we're, we're running short on time, um, any quick comment on the federal law changing impact New York or other states? And are they tied together? Are they really <laughs> separate? Yeah, so um, I'll start with New York. Uh, New York has an estate tax. It does not have a gift tax. So good time to think about making some gifts. Gifts within three years of date of death are brought back into the estate, but if you make gifts now and you die three or more years later, the transfer is not subject to gift tax. The New York exemption is presently $5,930,000, but there is a cliff. So if your state, the value of your state is large, that, that exemption amount actually gets phased out. So be aware of that cliff because you can really um, incur a lot of uh, New York estate tax if, you, if, you, if you're in that $6 million and, and beyond range. The top uh, rate is 16% on a New York estate. Connecticut is more closely tied to the federal government. Um, it's been increasing the exemption amount slowly um, over the last, I believe, five years. And the way the legislation is written, it, it will match or the federal exemption amount at January 1 of 2023, which would uh, make it around $11.7 million, which we have today. And it'll be interesting to see whether or not Connecticut uh, comes in and changes their law because it would dramatically decrease if uh, down to 3.5 automatically if the if it's uh, if it remains as a match 
and, and as Steve mentioned, sort of that coupling, that tie to the federal exemption amount. Um, in, the, in New Jersey, the estate tax uh, was repealed several years ago. Uh, it still has an inheritance tax. The inheritance tax applies to uh, transfers to, to, to very, it's a limited number of people. So to the extent your assets are being transferred to uh, a spouse or uh, children, it, you're not going to have an inheritance tax issue. Lastly, just one thing on the on the federal government, which is different from the states, is that the federal government does have portability. So between a husband and wife, to the extent the exemption is not used by the first spouse, it's automatically ported over to the second spouse. I, I shouldn't have said automatically. You do need to make an election and file a seven, 706 on the first step. The, the states, New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey do not have portability. Uh, New York uh, and Connecticut use it or lose it. So you do want to uh, be mindful of both federal estate and gift tax issues, as well as the, uh, the, the federal tax. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you were really very, very valuable with the information. And I hope you'll come on again. Um, it's hard to cram everything in a short time so I hope you'll come back you were great and thank you so much for being part of our show yeah it was my pleasure thanks for having me okay I am going to try to rush through it I, I don't know that I'll have the time because we're a little bit over but I talked I told you in the beginning of the show there's bidding wars going on left and right and what you can do to win a bit more, and I don't know if I'll have time, but I will try to give the sellers how to pick the right deal. But first of all, to win a bit more, you first make sure that your finances are done ahead of time. Make sure that you know everything, and that as Ace always tells you, that if you are not paying cash, if you're not paying cash, that you're pre-approved for a mortgage. Um, that means you need to have several years worth of tax documents and financial statements so that you can have a pre-approval set up before you begin looking for home. You can also, obviously, the best way to have, the best way to get a loan approval is have all the cash, and if you're a seller, whether it's all cash, you don't have to worry about a bank, you don't have to worry about a mortgage, you don't have to worry about any of those things. So that is always the best. Um, I'm going to continue to tell you other things that you can do, especially if you don't want to use all of your cash, but you have it. I'll tell you some tips for a buyer who want to have it all cash off and get the edge, but really don't want to use all their cash. We'll be right back. We'll continue talking about how to win bidding more in the next few minutes. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo telling you about Connors & Sullivan. You need a will, you need a trust, you need power of attorney, healthcare proxy, living will, or estate plan. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? But you know what? You got to go to connorsandsullivan.com or you can call Mike Connors at 718-238-6500 or... 
you can attend a Connors and Sullivan free seminar and have all your questions answered by Mr. Connors himself. Tuesday, July 27th at Buckley's Avenue S in Marine Park, Brooklyn, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., 7 p.m. Wednesday, July 28th, Connolly's in Maspeth, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., 7 p.m. Thursday, July 29th at the Bay Ridge Manor. That's 11, 3, and 7 p.m. Friday, July 30th at the Adria Hotel in Bayside, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Mike Connors always says the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Please call 718-238-6500, attend these seminars, or go to connorsandsullivan.com. Napa know-how. Get 20% off three or more items with the $2.99 Napa bucket. Yep, save on wipers, headlights, brake pads, motor oil. Wait, how long is this list? Wow, floor mats, boat batteries, towing parts. I'm not sure we have time to read all this. Let's just say save 20% on a lot. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating locations, exclusions apply. May not be combined with other offers. Offer ends 731-21. Dear Cancer, If you think you're going to put my life on hold, think again. I did my homework, and I found a cancer treatment option that requires no surgery, minimal downtime, and virtually no side effects. It's called Proton Therapy at Procure Proton Therapy Center. Proton Therapy targets cancer tumors more precisely than traditional radiation therapy with less radiation to nearby healthy tissues. And thanks to Procure, I don't have to travel far for treatment. Located in Somerset, Procure is New Jersey's most experienced proton therapy center, offering the most advanced form of radiation with the most precise technology. That's right, cancer. I still have the choice and energy to go on that hike with friends or spend a Saturday afternoon with my grandkids. I chose proton therapy at Procure, and now my hope has been restored. I'm living my best life. If you've been diagnosed with cancer, visit Procure.com or call 855-3-PROTON today. Research shows that people remember radio ads with repetition. So to help you remember that Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need, here's a repetitive ad. Okay. Research shows that people remember radio ads with repetition. So to help you remember that Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need, here's a repetitive ad. (sighs) <sighs> Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. As I was saying, with all these bidding wars and making offers, um, the first thing you should do is make sure your finances are in order before you even start looking for a home. I know Ace tells you every single week um, you should have a pre-approved mortgage, which means that you they checked your credit and everything and that you're all good to go. Uh, then, okay, if you are a seller, okay, you, do, you want to have the least amount of contingencies as possible. What is a contingency? A contingency is something that must be completed before the contract can move forward, such as a home inspection or an appraisal or a mortgage is a contingency. So if you get an offer as a seller and it says the property is, the price is accepted at this price, However, we need to get a mortgage. 
that's a contingency because there's always a possibility that someone doesn't get a mortgage. Some people who happen to have the cash to buy the house all cash, but really don't want to use all their cash to buy the house, buy the house all cash. And you can, after you purchase the house, then take a mortgage out and get that cash back. So it gives you the edge if you happen to have the cash to really get the edge in your offer because it's very competitive now. And then apply for a mortgage after you've already purchased the house all cash. And that gets you back your cash. If you're a seller and if you're a buyer, if you're a buyer, the more down payment you put, the better your offer will be. If you're not going to pay all cash, you certainly want to at least try to put 20% down. Um, as a seller, I would tell you that I would be very leery about a 5% offer or 10% people can get a mortgage. However, with the market as hot as it is today, you probably don't have to do that. Um, unless you're in an area where, you know, houses are very uh, low and the people really that buy them don't have 20% or if, you know, so the larger the down payment, the better chance you have of getting your offer accepted. And as a seller, the better it is for you. As far as an engineer's report, obviously, if you want to waive contingencies as a buyer and say, I'm not going to have an engineer's report because the market's that competitive, um, that's your call. I don't recommend it because you're then not you're not knowing what's really wrong with the house, and it could be something structurally that's damaging. So, if you if you do have an engineer's report, you must have it right away. Have it in the first day or two, so the seller knows that you're not going to tie their house up a week or so, and then to find out that you know there's repairs and you don't want to buy the house at that price. So. If you're a seller and you want to take uh, an offer that has a contingency for an engineer's report, give the buyer a set time that it has to be done by. Don't because it could linger on and you don't want to tar your house. So say, okay, I'll allow it, but it has to be done within two days, three days max. Um, those are important things um, when you're doing a deal. High down payment, the less contingencies. And a lot of times it's helpful if you're, when you're dealing with a real estate broker to ask the real estate broker, what does this seller need? Sometimes it's a matter of they'll take a, a lower price if you meet the terms. And let's say they bought another home and they have to be in that home and they have to put clothes on that home in a month. If you can provide them with the time frame that they need, then they would probably take your offer opposed to somebody else who has to take you know could take longer so you should talk to your real estate broker say what's important to the seller sometimes the seller can't move right away sometimes the house that they bought isn't going to be ready and the timing isn't exactly right so um for a matter of time constraints here i won't get into how you do this but there's ways in which you can buy a home and actually lease it for a couple of weeks. I don't often recommend that, but you can actually lease it to the sellers uh, to give them the time they need. Um, I had a uh, person that said, 
we made four offers on houses all significantly above the list price, but some of them sold for 100,000 more than the asking price. In some cases, we waived the home inspection because we were able to do a pre-inspection before we made an offer. In other cases, we may waive the appraisal contingency. I'm not giving you advice on what you should waive because you really have to think it through uh, because you are taking a risk if you waive those things. But we've been in such a competitive market. I, I think it's going to kind of ease up where it'll be a little bit more normal and you won't see as many bidding wars, but I still think they're going to exist. And once that I tell you is very important, go see the property. If your broker calls you and says, there's something that you like, it just came on the market today, get there right away. Make that offer right away. And if you're a seller, and you have a good offer, and this happens all the time. The seller says, my gosh, I was asking $750. They offered $750, the first buyer. Well, maybe I didn't price the house high enough. So I'm just going to wait and see if anyone bids it up. If you have a buyer who's willing to pay the price you want, and the terms, because terms are just as important as price, and they've been pre-approved, Pre-approved, I wouldn't take somebody who has not been pre-approved. Pre-approved or they're paying all cash. What do they say? Don't wait because it was the first offer. A lot of times, the first offer that you get can sometimes be the best offer. So if they fit all the terms, okay, and they meet all your needs, and remember, it's not only the price, it's terms. How much are they putting down? What kind of contingencies are they asking for? Okay. Have they been pre-approved with their credit? Um, and quickly, and, you know, I've seen, I'm sorry to say this, Steve, but I've seen when you don't use a real estate attorney, one of the questions you want to ask your real estate attorney, if you're a buyer and if you're a seller, is if I get a deal on the house, how quickly can you get the contract written? And as Patty, you know, as sorry as you might be, sometimes I'm even sorrier. You know, I'm dealing sometimes with somebody's cousin or somebody who, you know, is not familiar with it. And, you know, it, it can be a little painful. So, you know, you definitely want to use someone who knows the market, you know, whether it's a lawyer, a broker, or even, you know, Dottie, you're talking about inspectors beforehand. I have seen people, maybe they're a good inspection firm in one part of a state, but not in another. They don't know, do they address issues for septic or wells or radon? So you want someone who definitely understands the process because you're looking for experts to guide you and facilitate your deal, not to slow you down. Yeah, and let me say that, and I don't say this because of Steve, you use a real estate attorney. They know how to negotiate. They know about real estate. I've seen deals blow up when they should never have blown up. Because somebody is not a real estate attorney, they don't know how to give and take, they don't, or, or they take so long because it's not, you know, you know, if your son-in-law is doing you a favor and he's a divorce attorney and he's doing it in his spare time and deals blow up because they take too long. The longer it takes the deal to get into the contract, the less chance you have. And in a competitive market, Remember something, people think just because somebody accepted your offer that you're home free. Now, Steve, I'm going to 
make you uh, rely on your legal advice for this. If I accept your offer, if I didn't give cash and sign all the elements of a contract as a buyer, then if somebody bids higher than me, I don't, uh, oral agreements don't matter. Then well, you're out. Well, yeah, I mean, the one of the founders of MGM Studios ha had a great saying. Um, he said, "A you know, oral contract is worth the paper it's written on." Um, not not quite exactly correct, but pretty close. And you know, in real estate, you know, you know, historically, real estate's been the most important asset. It's subject to something called the statute of frauds. Ultimately, to sell property, you have to get it in writing. Um, and, and generally speaking, uh, until you have that fully executed contract with the deposit, you don't have a valid enforceable contract. Are there some exceptions to that? Of course. Um, there are some nuances. Um, doesn't mean you can do anything when you're buying from a developer. Each state, New York has it, other states has it too. There are certain windows where a buyer has a chance to look at things and they have a short window of exclusivity. For example, generally it's about five business days in New York. But that is the exception. Generally speaking, you want to move. And so you really need to know how the locality works and you need to say, okay, how do I achieve success? How do I lock in my transaction? Absolutely. Right. But make sure you ask that question. Make sure you ask your real estate attorney, uh, if I'm going to sign a contract, will you be available to get that contract done within two to three days? Okay. Because if they answer no, I might have to go on and look for others. And then, of course, make sure you use citizens and a bank, an ace, and a bank that knows how to do deals and does them quickly. Because again, in such, we're in a competitive market. And if you're not quick, somebody's going to come in there and beat you, take you right out of the ballpark. Well, again, we've had a great two hours. I think it was very informative. Um, I hope, I think the weather's going to break and we might have some sun soon. Um, looking forward to being back next week. Have a great week, safe healthy and have some fun. Be back next week. We're saying goodbye. We love you. From all of us at I Am Real Estate. I on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.